your Locked On Penguins, your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Penguins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Tuesday evening episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at LO underscore Penguins. I know I'm coming at you guys a little bit later in the evening. Had some stuff to do today. Actually just finished uh, mowing the lawn because, you know, my parents come back from Turks and Caicos tomorrow uh, because for some reason they were going, I think it was for my mom's early 50th birthday present. So, um, had to get that done, but we still have some good hockey talk coming your way today. We're going to touch on, um, I don't know if I gave my thoughts on the Norris ballot. Um, I might've done it last week. I might not have. I'm still going to give my thoughts on why it's kind of stupid that Victor Hedman is there. We're also going to discuss some stuff that was in Elliot Freeman's 31 thoughts today. And we're going to continue our season reviews uh, for the Pittsburgh Penguins as today's will be Jake Gensel. And I'm sure that's going to be great conversation. So let's start out with the, um, well, actually, I'm going to start out with the Masterton. So the Masterton Trophy was officially um, announced tonight, uh, the winner. Um, Oscar Lindblom, very well deserved um, with, with what he came back from with cancer. Um, the other finalists were Matt Dumba and Patrick Marlowe. You know, this is this is a, an award that has, uh, a lot of the, the voters have gotten wrong many times over the years. Remember, Crystal Tang didn't even win it when he came back from a stroke. Pascal Dupuis didn't win it when he overcame blood clots. Same with Matt Zuccarello. I mean, I think that one went to Devin Dubnik for remembering how to play hockey again. And I think what the other one went to Yarmir Yager for just being old. And, you know, that basically would have been the same thing if Patrick Marlowe won the award this year. It would just be that he's old and that he's continuing to play. I think Dumba would have been a much better choice than Marlowe. But, you know, the obvious, the obvious winner was Oscar Lindblom. Kudos to him. You know, he came back from, you know, cancer and he's, he's, just a really underrated player, I think, around the league. So congrats to him. I think the, uh, a lot of the other big-time awards get announced during the Stanley Cup Final. I think the King Clancy was announced yesterday. Pecorine winning that one. Very well-deserved, I thought, for that one, too. But now let's just get into some Norris talk. So um, Adam Fox was obviously a clear-cut case to be nominated. I think he will win the award, and he should win the award with the season that he had. And, oh, yeah, he's probably going to ask for Max term on his next contract with the Rangers, and I wouldn't be surprised if it's nine to ten million per. Kale McCarr, very well deserved um, too. Uh, he's probably going to ask for Max term uh, and a whole lot of money on his next contract too. That was in Elliot Freeman's thirty-one thoughts today, um, and it sounds like you know they they prefer term over a bridge deal because if you just do a bridge deal, you're going to have to pay him even more at the end of that. Because say McCarr is just as good these next two years as he was this year, or probably even better, which is I think going to be the case. You're probably going to have to pay him over 10 million per. You know, right now maybe you can get away with 9 million per, maybe a little bit below that. But if he has two very similar years to this year, or even better, as I just said, you're going to have to pay him basically anything he wants. But you know, he's going to be a top five defenseman in this league for many years to come. Uh, so congrats on him for being nominated. The third one was Victor Hedman. Um, if I had a ballot, I would have had Charlie McAvoy on there. He had better underlying numbers and just better, you know, counting stats as a whole. But the biggest reason why Victor Hedman was nominated for the Norris is because of player reputation. You know, he's kind of like, I was listening to Puck Soup, I think, yesterday with Greg Wojcinski and Ryan Lambert and uh, Sean, a down goes Brown uh, from Twitter and The Athletic. And, you know, I, th- I think Greg and Ryan made a great point. You know, it's basically like the Patrice Bergeron-esque, you know, for Hedman that he's always going to be on the Norris ballot because you all know he's one of the five best 
uh, defenseman in the league, as you know, Patrice, Patrice Bergeron is with one of the five best defensive forwards in the league. I mean, I know Bergeron, you know, the Selkie Trophy is named after him at this point, but um, it should not be Norris Wise for Victor Hedman. Hedman even admitted this year that he was playing hurt. It looks like a hip injury, but the fact that he was nominated for it over someone, you know, like I said, like Charlie McAvoy or even, you know, Ryan Pulak or Shea Theodore or a couple others, you know, Jacob Slavin with how good he was in Carolina. Um, it just goes to show you that a lot of these writers and a lot of these people that cover the sport don't pay enough attention. I know Sean on Puck Sleep was talking about how, you know, they do take it serious and I didn't have a ballot this year, but when I've had a ballot, you know, I've spoken to people who everyone says they take it serious, but I don't know how much I believe of that because they you should not have Victor Hedman on your Norris ballot this year. He was not good enough. He missed time. I mean, he doesn't still look right in the playoffs. I think game two is underway right now between the Lightning and the Islanders. I think Tampa Bay had a four-on-three power play. I don't know. Well, yeah, Tampa Bay just had five shots in their power play chance, um, and they still didn't score. So Varlamov is just being insane just like he was against the Bruins. But anyway, you know, going back to my original point. Um, it's just it's frustrating to see, you know, Hedman basically get there based off reputation alone, but the people aren't digging into just how off of a season it was. And, you know, he's definitely going to revert back to his last season form next year where he'll be deserving of getting a Norris Trophy finalist spot and probably even winning the Norris because, like I said, he's one of the top five best defensemen in hockey. Um, when he's on his full A game like he was last year, he probably is the best defenseman in hockey. But this is on a year-to-year basis. You know, he honestly would not have been on my ballot if I had a ballot for the PHWA and... I think more of these voters that just, you know, that cover the sport, you know, whether it's an announcer, you know, a writer, you know, someone else that covers the sport, they need to do a better job of digging into the numbers and not basing it just off the eye test. Because if you look at his analytics, they were not nearly as good as, you know, his expected goals for was down, his scoring chances for per 60 was down, um, he only was really racking up assists this year, you know, a lot, a lot of last year, he had a lot more goals last season than he did this season. I know I'm citing counting stats, but, you know, like I said, just just go to his Corsi, go to his Fenwick, dig into his shot share, and, you know, with, with what Tampa Bay has with, you know, the expected goals for when he's on the ice versus when he's off the ice and how many of the actual goals Tampa Bay had when he was on the ice this year. And they were down this year from last year. But a lot of those writers just, you know, they don't look at the analytics. They just go based off their eye test. They go based off some people, I guess, that maybe cover the team. They just don't do enough of the work that they shouldn't. It's like you are paid to cover the sport. I know I am paid to give you all this podcast five days a week during in-season, three three days a week during the off-season. I know that's probably going to change as we go into July or August when we get to three days a week. But I actually try to do my research and not just look at the counting stats and not just use my eye test. I think I said that I've said this so many times on the podcast. I mean, if this is your first time listening, if you are not using even a little bit of analytics when you are watching hockey, you know, you are behind the curve. Adapt or die, as they say in Moneyball, you are just behind the curve and you're going to continue to be behind the curve for as long as you just disassociate analytics from the game of hockey. They're not going away. They're only going to continue to be more important, especially as front offices expand uh, to allow more people with an analytic background into their front office. I mean, the Penguins literally have Sam Ventura and Katarina Wu um, in their front office. I mean, Carolina, I think, has Eric Tolsky. I think the Capitals have someone from an analytics site in their front office. I know Tampa Bay does. I'm pretty sure Seattle has a good analytics team as well. 
And like I said, you're going to continue to see more of these teams invest into analytics as they get more popular. You know, you don't listen to Pierre Maguire or any of these weird naysayers or these boomers, as I like to call them. You know, just when you're evaluating defensemen or just any player, don't just look at the counting stats. It's a lazy way to do it. Dig into the numbers a little bit more. You know, ask fans of the team, you know, that you know are more numbers based about the player. And I guarantee you will get a lot more knowledge that way than if you just used your same old boring eye test. But that's just my opinion, at least it's up to whoever wants to listen to that, you know, that listens to this podcast. But that's my little rant about the Norris Trophy. Coming up in the next segment, we are going to touch on some stuff in Elliot Friedman's 31 Thoughts, one of them being Penguin related and something that I honestly could not believe when I read it. But before we do get to that, it's time to talk about rockauto.com. It's a family business serving auto park customers online for 20 years. You can go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts on hundreds of manufacturers. The catalog is unique and very easy to navigate. You can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always arrived below and the same professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why should you spend it to twice as much for the same parts? You can go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car, truck, and you can write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, live low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. That is rockauto.com. All right, so we're back here on this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow this show's Twitter at LO underscore Penguins. So not a lot of Penguin stuff in Elliot Freeman's 31 thoughts today, but there was one thing. Um, when he was talking about uh, Columbus hiring their coach. Uh, it was basically, I think it was uh, Brad Larson. He was an assistant to John Torello, which was a weird decision. I really don't know what the Blue Jackets are doing there, and we all know they're going to stink next year. The, the Metro is going to be a really tight division with the realignment going back to how it normally is, but uh, Columbus is definitely going to be one of the basement dwellers of that division, Division, excuse me, especially after they trade Seth Jones. But, you know, getting back into it, he says, before promoting Larson, the Blue Jackets took a long look at Gerard Gallant, who, of course, is now with the New York Rangers. I'm going to touch on that in a second. They also twice interviewed Pittsburgh assistant coach Mike Vellucci. Okay, so that is probably the weirdest thing I have read about the Penguins in quite some time. I have no idea how Mike Vellucci gets two interviews to be the Columbus Blue Jackets head coach. I mean, did Yarmo Kikalaya not see how bad the Penguins' penalty kill was for this entire season? I mean, they were ranked in the bottom third of the league basically the whole time. And, you know, their wedge plus one, as Jesse Marshall likes to call it, was not working. And they were giving up a lot of uh, goals to the high-danger areas so I really don't know what Kika Lyon saw in Mike Vellucci. It actually would have been a service uh, to the Penguins if they did take Vellucci off their hands. They could have just promoted someone else from, you know, maybe Wilkes-Barre that's doing a good job or just someone even outside the organization, which I would have been fine with. Losing Vellucci would not uh, have been a big deal at all. So that was definitely a bit interesting to me as I read that. Um, there's also interesting stuff about the Rangers. So before they hired Gerard Gallant, Friedman reported that apparently they were hoping that Mike Sullivan was going to become available. But as soon as they were told no, they went to Brindamore. And then when they were told no, that's when they hired Gallant. Um, you know, this is the biggest reason or one of the biggest reasons why I love that the Penguins are keeping Mike Sullivan for this season. I mean, you know, if he were made available, I definitely think he was probably going to be the guy 
for the Rangers. I mean, I know they're going to spin it as, you know, Gallant was the guy all along. Uh, but best be sure, you know, if you're giving me one of those two uh, coaches and you're putting them side by side, I'm taking Mike Sullivan over Gerard Gallant a um, hundred out of a hundred times. And I think the New York Rangers uh, would think that as well. Sullivan is a two-time Stanley Cup champion. Um, his players played for him. He runs a great system. He's a brilliant tactician. Um, and he he definitely would bring results to that Rangers team. I'm really happy that um, the Penguins did not make Sullivan available um, just for that very reason. I mean, it would have been stupid to fire him regardless. But, you know, having him go to a division rival, you know, especially um, one of the Penguins, I think it's probably one of their top three biggest rivals around the league. Um, that definitely would have been a huge blow. And then, I mean, you're stuck with hiring who? Like, freaking John Tortorella or something like that? Or Rick Tockett, who it sounds like is going to be the Seattle Kraken head coach. I really don't understand all the love about Rick Tockett. You know, just spinning this back towards the Penguins a bit. I understand what he did here was really nice with Phil Kessel. But other than that, what has Rick Tockett done to warrant, you know, all this the, this huge love affair for him? I mean, he didn't really get a lot of good results in Arizona. Apparently, he's been interviewing for a whole lot of gigs. He interviewed, I think, in Columbus. He interviewed in Buffalo. I think he interviewed in um, New York as well. And now, apparently, like I said, they, they, it sounds like that they want him to the, go to the Kraken. And it just it really makes no sense to me because he's not really not, not accomplished a damn thing as a coach. So, so to see all this, this huge love affair around him is really odd as it looks like as I look up to my TV, Braden Point has given the Lightning a one nothing lead over the Islanders and... Oh, wow, this is pretty big breaking news. It sounds like Ilya Sorokin is coming in for Semyon Varlamov because of a pretty joke of a call. I'm watching this on replay right now. Pelik just pushes Braden Point into Varlamov, injured his, his own goalie in the process, and they're calling Braden Point uh, for a penalty there, which makes absolutely no sense. I don't even know how this is goalie interference. This might be one of the worst calls I've ever seen in my life. It looks like Bruce Cassidy might have been right about this New York Saints stuff, but, you know, not good that um, Semyon Barlomov is hurt, you know, hoping for the best for him, but, you know, Ilya Sorokin will be coming into the game right now for the Islanders as they are down one nothing in the first period of Game 2 after taking Game 1, you know, but going back to what I was saying, again, you know, just to wrap this up, uh, just weird that Rick Tockett is getting this, this huge love affair for not really doing anything as an NHL head coach. I'm um, looking at some other stuff here. Uh, there was some Flyers stuff in here, so I'm going to touch a little bit on that for the podcast. It sounds like the Flyers were thinking of something big. It's not going to be Dougie Hamilton because um, that actually makes a lot of sense for them. I think they have the farm system to do it. Uh, they have the picks. They have the players. But it sounds like Chuck Fletcher is not going to do it. But it all, but they may potentially do Seth Jones, which would I would laugh my butt off uh, if they did acquire Seth Jones for a whole lot of picks and prospects. And they're, all, they're also potentially looking at Matt Dumba. That makes a little bit more sense. I don't think he's you know that good. He's definitely not as overrated as Seth Jones, but I don't think he's like that good, um, if you know what I mean. There's other stuff in here. Uh, Buffalo News, Lance Lysowski is reporting that New Jersey has interested in Rasmus Ristolainen. I mean, I don't even know how teams are interested in him. He's just been awful, basically, for his entire career. Um, not No other Penguins stuff, though, here uh, in Freeman's 31 Thoughts. It, it's very quiet for this team, and, you know, I, I like it like that. Um, Ron Hextall is going to do things in the shadows. I did read something from somewhere just a couple of days ago that it sounds like, you know, according to what they were told, this is really the Hextall show and that Burke is basically there just as a buffer between him um, and Morehouse. So you know, that Morehouse doesn't get in the way of what Hextall wants to do. I mean, this this team is under his control. And I think this is the way I, I like it. You know, we don't really need a GM. 
going out into the media and speaking every week about, oh, I'm going to make all these changes. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. You know, Hextall, he's just quietly biding his time for the right thing to come along. And then I think he will strike. You know, he's just, he's being patient. That's exactly what this organization needs. They don't need someone going out there and making a move just for the sake of making a move. And speaking of that, I did see this great quote today from Mark Cuban, you know, speaking of Freeman's 31 Thoughts, you know, and making a move for the sake of making a move. I think he was asked by a reporter, you know, are you going to change coaches? And, you know, he, he said, you know, you don't make a change just for the sake of making a change. You know, he, he even said, unless there's a clear cut upgrade out there, the grass is really greener on the other side. And it's like, thank you, Mark Cuban. You know, you're someone that actually gets it when it comes to that. You know, I wish you could tell that to all these weird yinzers in the Penguins fan base that just want to fire Mike Sullivan for the sake of firing Mike Sullivan, even though his goaltending let him down. I mean, you know, I had people tell me today that they should just, you know, they should have fired him mid-season or one of these last couple seasons mid-season. It's like, like, I, I wish you ran the organization then because it, this this team would be ran to the ground if you were the general manager. It just, it really makes no sense that some people treat Mike Sullivan like he's the second coming of John Tortorella. I, I really don't understand it. But again, I am glad that Mike Sullivan is the coach of this team and will be, at least for the next season. You know, if they bow out again, though, I definitely think that there will be um, some serious questions as to what's going to happen um, for, with his tenure for the future. But I think that does it for this segment. There wasn't really too much else to talk about um, on Friedman's 31 thoughts. I mean, there was just, you know, some small stuff, you know, stuff about the Bruins. Um, uh, Friedman also uh, suggests that Florida may ask about Patrick Lane. I mean, the Blue Jackets just need to blow it up anyway. I touched on earlier in the episode. Um, they're going to be one of the two teams in the Metro next season who are not good. And, you know, speaking of the Metro, you know, just to end this segment, um, the, the division is going to be a bloodbath for Pittsburgh next year. I mean, you now you have... You know, of course, the Penguins, you know, obviously you take the Bruins out, but Carolina is going to be a contender. Washington is still good. The Islanders are going to be there. Obviously, the Rangers are going to be a lot better with Gerard Gallant. Um, that's a 40-year deal. That That's going to be very frustrating to play against for the next four years. And Gallant is one of the best coaches in the game. It's actually criminal that he was um, not hired these last couple of years. He's going to get results out of the Rangers. In my opinion, I think the Rangers are a playoff team next season. It is going to be a different matchup for Pittsburgh next season than it was uh, this past season, that's for sure. I mean, you know, the Rangers, uh, they definitely had their struggles against Pittsburgh this year. The Penguins took six out of eight against them. But next year, you know, as the divisions go back to normal, and, you know, I think we see, you know, four to five games, however it's going to be, um, it, it's definitely going to be a lot tougher for the Penguins to beat the Rangers. And then, of course, you know, you have Philadelphia. You know, you never know how they're going to be. You know, one year they're really good, one, they're, one year they're not. So, We'll see what happens when it comes to that. I'm actually just watching the Tampa Bay Lightning power play right now because they did end up getting a makeup call on that awful one where the Islanders tied the game thanks to uh, Braden Point's ridiculous call for goaltender interference. You know, the Islanders just have a huge horseshoe stuck up their ass. It's been that way basically um, all playoffs thus far. And uh, though before we do get to the next segment, it's time to talk about Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing. You can track all the action at Bet Online. You can get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC action. Before the hit the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or phone and check out all the great sporting news, sign up bonuses, and contest information. Head to the website or use your phone to sign up today and receive a 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts with the promo code locked on. All right, welcome back to this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at LO underscore Penguins. So let's get into our next season review, and that is Jake Ensel. And for some reason, people are wanting to trade him after this season, which just makes no sense. You know, but uh, this is the thing I will say about that. You know, before we do get into his stats and everything with what he did this season, 
Playoff scoring is very streaky. I mean, Matt Barzell did not even play well against the Penguins. I don't even think he scored in that series. Now he has nine playoff points in 12 games. Uh, so, you know, he definitely heated up against the Bruins and he's played well against the Lightning so far uh, going into game two. But that's what happens to people. I mean, Jake Gensel had, what, 23 goals in his first 37 playoff games? Of course, he was going to dry up. I mean, this is not someone who's going to score at that clip his entire playoff career. There's always going to be some aggression. Yes, it was going to happen, but he's still getting the chances. The puck is just not going in to the back of the net. That happens in the playoffs. You know, I know the Penguins... You know, their depth players even stepped up in the playoffs. It was just the goaltending uh, faltered. But you can't say that Gensel didn't play well when he was top three in every statistical category on the team when it was expected goals for, individual scoring chances for, um, high danger chances for overall, um, shot attempts for per 60 minutes. I mean, he was getting a lot of quality licks. Looks, excuse me, that the puck was just not going in the back of the net, and that happens. You know, you go to Natural Statric and you look. I know he only had um, one point in the six games, um, but you know he still had 58% of the shot attempts when he was on the ice. Um, if you go to his expected goals percentage, 54.4% of those um, scoring chances for 60% of the scoring chances for 5v5. Remember, people, I believe that led the team. Um, at 5v5. As for high danger, 53% of the high danger chances when he was on the ice. That's second only to, actually that's third only to his 61.7% uh, back from 2018. This was a player that was one of the best players in the playoffs. Uh, now if you go to his regular season numbers, if I do this quickly here, on Natural staff trick. So 51.6% of the shot attempts for Corsi, 53.9% of the actual goals for um, his expected goals here was a bit down at 49.1%, but scoring chances for about 52%, um, which is what in line for basically his career average. As for high danger, he did concede a little bit more um, overall with high danger chances for 48.5%. That's uh, the second lowest of his career. And then for actual high danger goals for, he had they, the Penguins had 54.3% of the high danger goals for while he was on the ice. And now if I just go to um, his hockey viz chart from Micah on hockeyviz.com. Um, so if it's even strength offense, you look at it plus 0.32 expected goals for uh, this season. There's a whole big red blob right in front of the net. So it continues to show that he's getting the high danger chances. He's been doing that every season that he has been in the league. I mean, if you just look, uh, just 2021 is isolated 5v5 impact plus 12.7 expected goals for last season. It was plus 14.5% uh, right before he got hurt. And, you know, it's been this way for his entire career. He gets all of his chances right from the biggest high danger scoring areas on the ice. And even his defensive effort this year was not bad. I know plus 1.1% expected goals against. Um, it's not where you want to be. You always want to be in the negative. It was actually better last season. But, you know, it's always going to be around close to break even because, you know, he gets the best competition night in and night out. But again, everyone, Gensel had another great season. He should be staying here um, for hopefully the remainder of his career. I mean, you know, the, the talk that the Penguins should train him is just... Nothing short of bogus stuff. I really don't understand it. You know, I, I saw people, you know, earlier in the offseason talk about trading him for Matthew Kachuk, you know, and I will admit, you know, when I first saw that, I was like, okay, you know, maybe it makes a little bit of sense. Then I went to compare their underlying numbers, and it's like, yeah, I, I don't think so. It would have to be Kachuk plus to even think about trading Jane Gensel. You know, it's just, it's not something that the Penguins are going to do, nor should they do. But, you know, now speaking of someone that they could or should trade during the offseason. I'm going to have our uh, season review of Brian Rust 
uh, tomorrow for Wednesday's episode. So look for that there. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode of Locked on Penguins podcast. I know the content is hard to come by right now. I'm going to start uh, bringing on some more guests as the offseason continues to roll on here. I have a couple up my sleeve that I'm not going to say anything about, but when I do get them booked, you all will be the first to know, that's for sure. But thank you all so much for listening to this one, and let's do another one of these on Wednesday.